Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. You're listening to 20,000 Hertz. Whether it's a roaring crowd, a referee's whistle, a shouting coach, or a blaring goal horn. Sound is a crucial part of basically every major sport out there. But there are some sports where sound does more than just call out a foul or ring in a goal. In these games, players are totally reliant on sound to know where they are in relation to the ball, to the field, and to each other. These sports are built around the experience of hearing. And during a game, players have to be hyper aware of every sound around them. Set, ready, pitch. My name is Subalo Ethan Johnston, and I am a blind athlete. Ethan was born in Ethiopia, but grew up in Missouri. As a kid, he loved sports, but his partial blindness made playing them really difficult. I played soccer and, you know, just typical club soccer back from like fourth grade all the way to eighth grade. But obviously that wasn't adaptive, so it was hard. Uh, the best part about it, I have a lot of brothers and sisters, so we're always on the same team, so they'll say, Ethan, ball on the right. And I can see light and color, so we always played in the morning when the sun is bright. And so the white ball on the beautiful green grass, I could see it if it's four or five feet away from me. After he graduated from high school, Ethan moved out west. I signed up to go to the Colorado Center for the Blind, and there I met one of my teammates by the name of Demetrius and... Uh, he told me, do you want to join a baseball team? And I said, baseball team for the blind? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I was thinking in my head, how does that work? You know, are you going to put the ball in the tee, hit it, and then go sit down, and then you're going to get a lollipop for it? Or I wasn't sure. <laughs> Ethan's friend explained that this wasn't traditional baseball. It was a modified version called beat baseball, a real competitive sport with its own unique set of rules. It was definitely exciting because, I mean, I was really swinging a bat hard as I can. Nothing was set on the tee for me. It was a pitcher pitching me the ball. And it was really awesome just to experience hitting the ball and running the base and scoring and playing defense. Ethan quickly fell in love with the sport, and his new teammates were happy to have him. My team was excited just because I was a young, hungry, passionate athlete because I found an adaptive sport. And so they were excited to have me on the team. Beep Baseball was created in the mid-60s when a telephone engineer designed the first beeping baseball. A decade later, the National Beep Baseball Association was founded and the first World Series was held. Today, the World Series includes about 25 teams from the U.S., Canada, and Taiwan. Beep Baseball teams are open to all ages and genders, from kids all the way up to seniors. Players wear blindfolds or black eye shades so that anyone with partial vision doesn't have an unfair advantage. Even though they share a name, there are some important differences between beep baseball and conventional baseball. The first is the ball itself, which is three times heavier than a normal baseball. 
The ball is 16 ounces, so that's a hard ball. It's larger than a softball. The ball makes a continuous beeping noise, which allows the players to keep track of it. The next big difference is how pitching works in the game. In beep baseball, both the pitcher and the catcher are on the same team as the batter. Unlike the batters, though, the pitcher and the catcher are sighted and don't wear blindfolds. When a batter is up, the pitcher tries to set them up with the perfect pitch. So he's trying to give me a beautiful pitch to nail so I can hit the ball and run to the base. When you first start to play, this takes some getting used to. So batting was difficult for me because I was listening to the beep of the ball instead of my pitcher, because as a batter, you want to listen to your pitcher. The sound of the ball is really designed for the defensive players and not for the batter. Because as a batter, when a ball is flying towards you, you don't really have time to hear where it's going to be. Instead, nailing a pitch is all about timing. So the pitcher would say, set, ready, pitch. And when he says pitch, he's supposed to be taking the best cut. Set, ready, pitch. Another key difference from standard baseball is that in beat baseball, there are only two bases. First base and third base. Rather than flat squares, the bases are padded cylinders that stand about four feet tall, and these cylinders have speakers inside them. When the player hits the ball, a person called a base operator will activate one of these two bases. Here's what the base sounds like. The batter doesn't know which base is going to buzz until they've hit the ball. As soon as it starts buzzing, they run toward that sound. And uh, as a batter, that's the best sound ever. That means you got to find that sound and take off. While the batter is running toward the buzzing base, the defensive players race to get a hold of the ball. And to get the ball, you just have to pick it up and have complete possession of it. Make sure it's not touching the grass, that's it. And that's how you get it out. To find the ball, the fielders rely not only on the beeping sound it makes, but also on direction from players called spotters. Like the pitchers and the catchers, spotters are also sighted. The field is divided into numbered zones, and the spotter's job is to call out where the ball is headed. So for instance, I play shortstop on the left side, and if my spotter says three, that means I usually stand in zone three, the ball's coming at me. When the ball is moving towards him, Ethan has to make a split-second decision about whether he can get it. If I can get it, I'll get it. If I can't get it, then communicate to my teammates behind me saying, you know, over me, left, right, off me. Good communication is essential if players want to get the ball and avoid accidents. For example, if they're sprinting towards the ball. Say moving or charging, looking. Just to let the person behind you know or beside you know that like, I'm looking for it so you can kind of lay off. Don't run me over. But accidents still happen. There's collusions that happen because of miscommunication. So, especially there's the middle defenders, and if they don't communicate, they're both going for the ball, they're gonna plow into each other. So, communication is very important. If a batter gets to the base before the other team picks up the ball, it's scored as a full run. There's no running between bases or back to home. That means that every single hit is either a run or an out, and nothing in between. So the stakes are always high. To make a successful run, you want to do pretty much the opposite of what you do in traditional baseball. So the key to beat baseball is you want to hit pop flies. A pop fly is a ball that arcs high into the air. 
in traditional baseball, pop flies are usually the easiest ones to catch. Regular baseball, if you hit ground balls or line drives, is great. That's the ground balls find holes past the fielders. But in beat baseball, it's the exact opposite. Beat baseball, you gotta hit those mile-high pop flies. This is because a ball that's flying high in the air is a lot harder to pinpoint than one that's bouncing along the ground. And that gives you a head start to run towards the base. The key in beat baseball is don't hit the ball on the ground. That's just easy, because I mean, these blind people, they got ears like hound dogs, you know. They can locate, scoop it up before you get halfway there. Now, catching a ball almost never happens. According to the National Beat Baseball Association, there have only been five recorded cases of a ball being caught. But even if you're not catching the ball, getting a batter out is still just as satisfying. So, best feelings when you shut down a rally, you know, say they scored four, five, six in a row, and then you get that opportunity with a ground ball to you or to your left or to your right. And you dive and stretch and pick it off the ground before the runner gets to the base and you hear, oh, <laughs> as a defender, that's the best sound. Like most sports, the crowds at a game can get pretty enthusiastic, but there is some special etiquette to follow. This is from a game in Columbus, Georgia. We want to remind you once again, as always, when the ball is in play, please uh, try to stay quiet so we can uh, hear the beeping of the ball and the buzzing of the bases. Basically, you cannot cheer during the play. So say I hit the ball. During that time, until the umpire says, safe or out, you can't say anything. The only ones I could talk is the defensive players, obviously saying, buy me left, over, tip, charge it, come up. In between plays, the crowd sounds about the same as any baseball game. But once a batter is up, it suddenly sounds like golf. Once the play is called, the noise comes back. The silence from the crowd helps the players keep their ears on the ball, but that doesn't stop some players from trying to psych out their opponents. There's some players that before they even have the ball, say, oh, got it. So if you're a rookie runner, they're like, oh, I'm out, and you just slow down. But they don't even have the ball yet. The main thing is, as a hitter, you need to listen to the umpire only. As competitive as this sport is, there's also a lot of camaraderie between the teams. This is even true during the Beat Baseball World Series. There's 20 to 30 teams out there, and obviously during the games, it's not like family. You're trying to kill each other, you're trying to embarrass each other, but after all that's over with, you know, you socialize and hang out as like a huge family and friends. You just hang out, have fun, and you know, if you need to pop bottles, pop bottles, whatever it may be. However you enjoy yourself with your family, that's what happens. Today, there are beat baseball teams in cities across the U.S., but this isn't the only sport designed for blind and low-vision players. One of them is actually included in the Paralympic Games, and it's the only one that wasn't adapted from an existing sport. That's coming up after the break. The hardest part of starting a business is coming up with a great idea. For every air fryer, video doorbell, or smart speaker that's sold in huge numbers, there are thousands of others that never made it. So that's the hard part. Now, here's the easy part. Selling online with Shopify. 
Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. You don't need to know how to code or understand anything about design. And you definitely don't need a degree in accountancy. Just choose the template you like, upload some descriptions and images, and you're ready to start selling. You're probably already using Shopify and don't even realize it. That's because according to their own data, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., Huge companies like Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen use Shopify, along with millions of other entrepreneurs from 175 countries around the world. Here's how you can get started. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com 20k, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com 20k now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com 20k. Congratulations to Tim Haney for getting last episode's mystery sound right. This is the site he chose for the transdimensional convergence. I think he did it just to annoy me. That was the voice of Shredder from the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle show. Shredder was voiced by actor James Avery, who is also Uncle Phil in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. We are going to start acting more like a family. Do I make myself clear? And here's this episode's mystery sound. Does that ring any bells? If so, tell us your answer at the web address mystery.20k.org. If you guess it right, you'll be entered to win your very own super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirt. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search, and that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Beep baseball is one of many sports that have been adapted for blind and low vision players. There's also soccer, track and field events, a version of tennis, and even archery. As you might imagine, all of these sports put a big emphasis on sound. It could be a beeping ball or something as simple as communication between sighted coaches and non-sighted players. But there's only one Paralympic sport that isn't adapted from an existing one. It's called goalball. Go Germany, one 
Google's a Paralympic sport played by blind and vision impaired athletes. That's Keith Young, the head coach of the U.S. men's national goalball team. I'm blessed to be part of the blind vision impaired community, even though I'm sighted. The history of goalball goes back to World War II. It was originally developed for visually impaired veterans returning home from the war. It literally started out with uh, almost like a medicine ball, doing exercises, then turned into a game. In 1976, goalball became an official sport of the Paralympic Games. The first world championship was held two years later. That's how it's evolved over time. To someone who's only familiar with mainstream American sports, goalball will look pretty different. It's a three versus three game. It's played on a metric volleyball court. There's no net in the middle, but there are goals on both ends of the court, which are sort of like super wide soccer nets. The goals are around about a meter and a half height. Since the goals are pretty short, players spend most of the game kneeling or crouched on all fours. And they have an approximately a three pound ball that has two bells inside of it. The bells are inside a ball made out of rubber and clay. But you will hear it bounce and hear the ball kind of like jingle. To score a point, players use their hands to hurl the ball past the opposing team and into the goal. And the object of the game is to block the ball. Similar to beat baseball, goalball players wear eye shades so that partially sighted players don't have an advantage. The crowd is also expected to stay quiet when the ball is in play. Please be quiet during the game. If you have a mobile phone, please turn it off. Thank you. To block a throw, the defensive players get down on their sides and stretch their arms and legs out as far as they can. Since they're using their bodies to block the ball, some people describe the game as reverse dodgeball. But Keith likes a different analogy. It's like three-person pong. The little pong piece will move left to right to block the ball and send the ball back to the other side. The jingling sound of the ball lets you know where it's going. Being able to quickly react to those audio cues is essential to a block. Each type of throw makes a slightly different sound, and a pro player can recognize all of them. You got a smooth ball that's rolling in the bells or obviously moving within the ball. Then you've got what's called a bouncer, which is a two-hop that you typically throw at the center. So it's going to be a little bit harder hitting the ground. So you hear the bounce, bounce. Then a skip ball bounces three times, but the trajectory is a lot flatter. Sometimes the skip ball is a little bit faster. So you hear a lighter one. You'll hear it going from left to right, right to left. The way a player throws the ball can have a huge impact on how it sounds as it travels down the court. There's some players that the way they release the ball, for some reason, the bells kind of stay by the bottom and the ball will go really quiet. Making a silent throw can give you a huge advantage. For instance, there's a player named Matt Simpson who's really good at throwing this way. He'll hit that skip ball just right and there will be very little sound. And all of a sudden you see the ball going towards the defense. If he hits the right area between players, they kind of jerk their head a little bit. Like, whoa, because they thought they had the track on the ball. In order for a player to know where the next throw is going to come from, they also have to know where their team's last throw was blocked. They try to hear where the ball impacts through blocking. So they have a point where they heard the block. 
Then from there, they're going to listen to the point of release because some teams like the United States, Brazil, they don't pass the ball like a bounce pass. These teams in particular are known for doing a kind of soft pass to a teammate that's really hard to hear. And then the player who received the pass will go up and down the net. It'd be as quiet as they can. So they're trying to move away from the point where they block the ball. So something that's so simple as listening to the ball can be quite complicated. For sports fans with a visual impairment, lots of traditional sports can be pretty hard to follow if you're sitting in the stands. This is because you really only hear the commentary if you're listening on the radio or on a TV. But at many goalball games, there's a dedicated audio describer who narrates the game from inside a soundproof booth. Spectators can use their phones to link up with the audio description and follow along using headphones. Here's a clip from a match between Finland and the United States. Finland does a little fake with their offense. Blocked by Tyler Marin. Marin scrambles for it, gives it to the center, Josh Walborn. Number three spins and throws down into the corner, and it goes out of bounds. 11.46, just opening up this match between Finland on my left and USA on our right. In addition to coaching the national men's goalball team, Keith teaches physical education at the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind. He also coaches a youth goalball team. Since sound is so crucial to the world of blind sports, Keith spends a lot of time training his students' ears. I use different types of uh, bell balls. I'll do a verbal description. I'll say, okay, this is a bell basketball. This is a bell soccer ball. And I'll basically play a game with them, like name the ball, or I'll give them a certain type of ball. And they have to go out and match the ball. So even with young kids, I'm trying to teach them that sound gives you information. For a lot of athletes who are blind or have low vision, finding a sport designed specifically for them can be life-changing. Everybody wants to be a part of a team. Some of the kids who came from public school, um, maybe track, swimming, wrestling, there's only sports that they could be actively involved in. And when they happen to be introduced to a sport like goalball, it's like, man, nobody else could do it. This is our thing. This is our sense of pride. And then they evolve to, man, I want to share this with everybody. This is cool. This is awesome. Ethan Johnston feels the same way about beep baseball. There's a lot of blind people, not just in America, but around the world, that could have this sport be part of their life and give them independence and give them something they're passionate about and give them hope that they're, you know what, just because they're blind, they're not going to be part of the stereotype that's sitting home doing nothing. You know, they're out there playing a sport that helps them to become independent and build great friendships that last forever. But these sports aren't just for people with visual impairments. Remember, in beat baseball, the pitcher, catcher, and spotter positions are all held by sighted players. In goalball, there are sighted coaches, referees, and announcers. And of course, anyone can be a fan. One of the best things about sports like these is that they can be a bridge between communities that might not interact very much otherwise. That's why I think with goalball, is an exciting sport. And once someone who'd never been exposed to sports sees they're like, oh, wow, look at them. How can they do all that? And that interest possibly piques them to get involved with the sport or learn about the blind vision impaired community. 
If you're a sighted listener who's interested in checking out Goalball, I would say the first thing you probably want to do is learn how to be a referee because you learn the rules of the game. And if you're brave enough, <laughs> get those eye shades on and get on the court. Playing a sport is always exciting, but trying to play one without being able to see takes it to a whole new level. I've seen people literally, they have so much adrenaline and they're shaking so hard. Like, wow, that's the scariest, most fun thing I've ever done in my life. Like just the surge of adrenaline, that nervousness, fear, <laughs> and excitement all packaged into one. Twenty Thousand Hertz is hosted by me, Dallas Taylor, and produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. To hear our most captivating work, visit defactosound.com. This episode was written and produced by Jack Glover and Casey Emerling, with help from Sam Reinbold. It was sound edited by Soren Bejan. It was sound designed and mixed by Nick Spradlin, with original music by Wesley Slover. Thanks to our guests, Ethan Johnston and Keith Young. To learn more about how to get involved with goalball, visit usaba.org. And to get involved with beat baseball, check out nbba.org. Thanks for listening. 